Welcome to Seniors and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie. I'm Pinky. And I'm Wendy. Our topic today is a unique one, and one that I have not heard many talk about in this healthcare arena. It is the topic of moving seniors. And we know that this is a very important topic as it not only impacts seniors who are in the process of moving, but it also impacts those who will be assisting and responsible for the move. I can't wait to hear about this. It's something that I know families struggle with. And I guess I didn't even know that outside of a regular moving company, there was something like this. So I'm really excited to hear about it. But before we start, we do have a disclaimer. We are not physicians or lawyers. If you have a medical or a legal issue, please seek the advice of an attorney or a healthcare practitioner. Okay, just like you, Wendy, I am delighted to delve right into and introduce our guest tonight. First is Ms. Shauna Kinneberg. Did I say that right, Shauna? You got it. All right. Um, Shauna has been in the business of moving seniors. I would also like to introduce Lisa Mark, who is currently the sales and account coordinator for Moyer Move Management. So ladies, just tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came into this arena. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start. Oh, close to 30 years ago, my parents were in the situation of a lot of people find themselves. My mother had dementia. My father was physically disabled. By the time I figured it out, it was too late for them to go into any of a the traditional independent living places, although I tried. My mom ended up dying. She had a, a cardiac episode and died. And then eight months later, my father, who was a diabetic, lost his second leg to diabetes. They lived in Southern New Jersey. I lived here in Maryland. And there was no way that I could do care management taking with him 90 miles away. My sister-in-law found move managers when she was moving her father from California to Pennsylvania, and she was gracious enough to find a move manager to help me because I was doing something totally different at the time. But dad, we got dad moved, and I thought in the back of my mind, you know, I kind of like, like to get off of this travel stuff because I was selling software to hospitals and I was traveling all over the country. And about a year or so after dad moved, having used this move manager, and it was a wonderful experience. Everything we asked that she do that she could do, she did. So my sister and I were trying to figure out what was going to be dispersed from his apartment. And we are asking this move manager, can you get rid of things? And she said, no problem. Can you get ships, things shipped to four different locations? Not a problem. Can you get a mover? Not a problem. Can you pack things up? Not a problem. And she was the easy button. It was not a problem. So I went back, got my dad into a rehab in Maryland, found him a place to live, which is assisted living. And about a year after we got him moved in, I thought, circumstances look pretty good. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start a move management company. Mm. And about probably about eight months after I started my move management company, I got a phone call from a lady in Pennsylvania, and she was starting an organization of all kinds of move managers all over the country. So I got in on the bottom floor of the National Association of Senior Move Managers. We started with 22 people from 16 companies, and now we've got about a thousand members all over the country. My goodness. Oh, that's really impressive. Yeah. So that was, that's been really fun. And I've been intricately involved in the organization for the entire 20, almost 21 years it's been in, in existence. That is amazing. 
Now, tell me if you can expand a little bit about your personal role in all of that. My personal role, huh? I think the most important thing is going in and trying to make sense of what's a pretty stressful and chaotic situation. There's a lot of times that the moving is the least of the issues. It's trying to ascertain what's really needed in the new place. It's trying to figure out what the support system is like. It's trying to figure out who the players are. Does the adult that's supposed to be in transition really want to transition? Are there memory problems involved there? I'm really fortunate, and Lisa's fortunate too, because she's an RN. So we can step out of our move management role a little bit and delve more into the overall look of, as any as anybody that's an RN would do, we can delve into the more overall look of what's the functioning system with the system, looking at the system overall. The first thing we do really is just an evaluation. What's needed and what are the support where are they going to go? Do they know where they're going to go? We walk into some places they, that they're with a realtor and they say, I'm selling my house. And my question is, where are you moving to? And you would be surprised how many times we get, we don't know. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So then it's dealing with that. The nice part of having done this so long is I'm familiar with many, many, many resources. Lisa's newer to this industry and I'm sharing my list of various resources with her. If they need a place to move to, we can refer them to some people that are qualified. If they need a realtor, we've got realtors that we deal with. If they haven't bothered to fill up the powers of attorney and have a will, there's attorneys we'll refer them to. So it's a little bit more of an expanded role. Primarily, most move managers will go in, they'll look at what needs to occur, what furniture needs to be moved, what things they need to have. They'll help sort They'll help get rid of things they don't need. They'll pack, they'll unpack. The goal is to set the place up so when the person moves in and finally gets there, it looks like they've lived there for a year. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yes, Lisa, can you tell something about yourself, please? Sure. Well, I am an RN by trade, as Charna said. Over 30 years ago, I graduated from the University of Maryland School of Nursing, landed on an acute care geriatric unit, and have been working with seniors my entire career. And I've really enjoyed it. It wasn't something I sought after. It was just something you landed. In those days, there was no nursing shortage, and you landed where they could give you a job. And I landed in geriatrics, and I absolutely just love it. The interesting thing about working with geriatrics first is it's because it is so challenging. I could have, I rotated through any unit of the, of the hospital and I, and I was great because I had worked on the hardest floor there was. I think um, that's true. I'm the same way. I started in geriatrics. The subacute rehab that I worked for sent me to nursing school and, and I returned to them. And I heard this, this really low impression of working with geriatrics mm -hmm. and people think it's an easy gig. And I found it to be exactly the opposite. In those places, we didn't have an IV resource team. We didn't have a stat team. We, were, we didn't have a wound care specialist. We were all of those things. So I found my skills were actually better than my colleagues that worked in the hospital sometimes. Right. It really was. And I noticed too, especially when I would float to the surgical floors with a lot 
of the events or the IVs or anything because we had that all on the geriatric floor because we were working with oncology patients and we just we had everything right. and most of them were right most of them were nursing home they were a lot of them were like children they couldn't communicate to us we had family dynamics i mean you name it it was happening on that unit and you know do you remember the old days when they would say it was a dump floor do you remember that mm-hmm. in acute care and so we got all the cases that maybe sometimes they they maybe belonged on the ICU maybe they were in a diabetic ketoacidosis or whatever we got them so yep we chronic trachs. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. all that. And we didn't have respiratory therapy in our building. We were the Just rest. Send, it was us. Just don't send me no babies. <laughs> very true. <laughs> very, very true. But once you learned it, once you, it's really an acquired skill to communicate with the elderly. And it's amazing. You know, when I went into transferred into home health, I, I really wanted to come out of what we considered institutional on nursing and, and really wanted to go and, and navigate folks within their homes. And I used to navigate folks through the very complex healthcare continuum, you know, especially with home health and then eventually with hospice and end of life care. What we do on the move management side is we're maneuvering them through an often complex system as well. And my nursing skills definitely come into play. I, I, I love sales and I love territory development, but at the heart of my profession is always nursing. That's great. It's interesting that move management hits on one of the top three stressors in our lives, and that's moving. And sometimes we're there for two of the three top stressors in our lives where somebody has died. And now we're there trying to deal with the estate, clean things out and get the person moved. Throw a little dementia in there, you got total chaos. And so frequently, people don't want to leave their home and well, go to thing it. To deal with, that we're working with somebody right now where the spouse doesn't realize that they've, they're memory impaired. And there's one part of the partnership who is responsible for navigating this highly educated, but memory impaired individual into another living situation. And the support we're able to give somebody like that and move them very quickly into that situation so that they can, the person that has a memory issue can get in there and start adjusting right away. That's a huge, huge load off the individual. Yep. So are you specific to a geographical area? The two of you, I'm I'm surmising are working together. So is your area just maybe Northeast of the U.S. or is it, I mean, how do you guys divide up all of that moving? Well, here's the thing, Moyer, well, first of all, back up a little bit. My own company was Senior Transitions and I covered Baltimore, north of Baltimore, a little bit west of Baltimore, sometimes down in Anne Arundel County, sometimes tiptoeing into the Eastern Shore. Moyer Move Management acquired me in December with the idea that they really wanted the Baltimore territory. So now we have 50 move managers on the Moyer move management side, and we cover from Northern Virginia to Southern Pennsylvania, out past Frederick, all the way to Harford County. We'll tiptoe into Cecil County and tiptoe into lower Pennsylvania. Now the movement, the mover component, which is another Moyer company, goes all over the United States. And in fact, we even do international shipments. Mm-hmm. So It's sort of the world in a lot of respects when you add the mover in. We've got 
some people we're working with right now that are that have asked to ship some stuff to Liberia. Okay. Wow. Yeah. The question is, what can we do to help you? That's Understanding great. that move is real stressful for them. So, and ladies, so tell me, ladies, exactly what is Move Manager Services, and talk about the typical move for a senior. I know, Shannon, you did expand somewhat. You know what that included. But maybe you want to go a little bit sure. deeper what exactly we do. Okay. The very first thing we're going to ask when we go in and a typical move is, well, after we figure out they do have a place to move to, is do you have a floor plan? Do you, can you have a layout? And if they don't, we'll go measure it. And we want to end up with a furnished floor plan. So we know where all the furniture is going to go and what's going to fit. The next thing we ask, I call that the lions and the tigers and the bears. They're the big things. The lions and tigers and bears don't eat you alive. It's the gnats. And it's all the stuff that goes in and on the furniture and in the cabinets. And that's the next thing in the closets. So we also measure closet space. We figure out how much closet space they have and compare it to where they're moving out of. We look at cabinets, how much cabinet space. Where are you moving to? Are you moving to a retirement community? Are you going to get a meal every day? Do you like to cook? What are your activities? What are your hobbies? And we try to incorporate what they're doing into the plan that they have. If they don't like to hook cook and they're getting dinner every day, then I suggest they take what they need for breakfast and lunch, plus an ice cream scoop, a wine glass, a shot glass, whatever they enjoy having in the evening. Interestingly enough, I've discovered that a lot of older adults enjoy eating ice cream sometimes for dinner. So <laughs> we find that out and we make sure that we try to furnish their home with the things they need. If there's somebody with memory issues, we try to find the thing that is going to trigger that memory issue, whether it's an attorney that wants to have some books or a financial advisor that has to have his calculator and access to the internet to look at the stock market, or somebody who has had a sculpture in their home for the last 50 years that knows it's their home because the sculpture's there. So we try to figure that out. Try to pack Actually, now that we're working with our moving company, we pack and load one day. The movers pack with us. So we try to get everything packed up and put on the truck the first day. We have the couple or the single person that's in transition. We have them stay someplace else. Sometimes it's a guest suite in Nazi. Sometimes it's a hotel. They stay off property for one night. We deliver the stuff early in the morning and then get everything unpacked and put away. We'll hang the pictures. So that's a typical flow. If they can sell their house after they move, then the next thing we would deal with is getting rid of everything that they've got. As we're sorting, it's either keep or don't keep. And we can sort with them as well. So if they're having trouble, I've had people with a stack of pens sitting there, they had to test every single pen. Oh. And I do remind them that they could buy a whole bunch of pens brand new for less than they're paying me to stand there and watch and test the pens. But it was the generation that they had to use. The it's the, my dad has some of that. Like, it's not that he wants it. It's that it's useful and it's wasteful to throw it away. I mean, that's what, he's got all this stuff in the basement that doesn't hold any sentimental value to him, but he is certain someone could repair that or someone would want that. And so it's very hard for him to part with it, even though it's junk. <laughs> what we say to folks like that is, I want you to move first. 
I want you to envision in your head where the stuff's going to go and where would you where you would like to see it. And then I want you to leave with that vision. And I want you to leave with the house intact and that vision and leave. Because realistically, I can spend a lot of money rehoming stuff that doesn't have very much value. And I do look at somebody else's money when they're moving as if it were my money. And would I want to waste that money trying to get things rehomed? You can spend $20 making five. And I would, I warn people about that. And I also warn them about the current generations that are minimalists that want Ikea furniture or they want Target furniture or stuff off of Marketplace or stuff off of the buy nothing pages. And they don't want their grandma's antiques. And since there's a small market that does, but there's a great volume of the stuff on the marketplace, the money that you're getting for those valuable antiques is minuscule compared to what people bought them. Again, if they can envision where the stuff is going and keep that in their mind and maintain their sanity and walk away, it's a better situation for them. It also saves a relationship with their kids. So do you generally start with a phone call um, from uh, someone who wants to move or is that, do you go out and actually meet one-on-one with the person? And be, because what I'm getting is that you're also physically there. Yeah, we are. Okay. Uh, the, first, uh-huh. the first reach out, they're usually calling us or a community okay. will say, call this person. And then we'll call and set up an appointment. That's, there's no obligation. There's no cost. We spend about an hour. We look at what needs to get done. We get a feel for their financial ability to pay because the services are not free. And then we go from there. Yeah. We describe, we, the idea is to find out where exactly they need the assistance and then to provide that assistance because not everybody's the same. We've worked with architects. We work with people that have decorators. We work with family members who are very good at space planning. We work with big families that want to participate in the project. We work with families that have relatives in California and can't get here to do it. And Mm -hmm. we work with the people that say, I'm going on a cruise. Here's the keys. Take care of it. See ya. So as you say, it's the, Shannon, you say it's take you one day to pack and one day to unpack. But Uh the whole process look like more than two days worth of work. (laughs) To receive all for somebody to help after consultation. How long time that whole process works? Because it's Are you not talking two days process. Yeah, yeah because it doesn't look like two days process, like packing and sending, unpacking, you know? It's more, more time involvement in just the preliminary packing. And You're right. I have had people call me up and I'll, my first question, I hold my breath on this one every every time, is I'll say, well, when are you planning to move? And I've had people say, well, um, tomorrow. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll get there for the consultation and I'll ask them, when are you planning to move? And they'll say, you're here to pack me up, aren't you? Thank God that's the vast majority. People know that it takes a little bit longer than that. Yeah. So I would say if we have a month, depending on how much clutter is around there. But if we have a month, then that's okay. If we have more than that, that's great. If they have a lot of stuff around, it could take longer. If they're collectors, 
then it could actually take quite some time to get through it. We're working with a family now. They bought a condo. They're in a house. They bought a condo about a year or so ago, and they still are not moved because they have to go through a house that's got a lot of stuff in it. And we've been working with them for now two months, and it could feasibly take several more months. Wow. It just depends. So that final point of destination, say you're starting, and I'm, I guess I'm more or less speaking of someone that's long, a long distance move, for example. Mm-hmm. So you start at one place. Is it your role in terms of a move manager to be at the end destination, if you understand what I'm saying? I do. So and this, actually, that's okay. a really nice part about me having been involved in the National Association of Senior Move Managers for so long because it's very feasible. Sorry about that. Uh, it's very feasible that I'll be working with a move manager on the other end. I've got a, several oh. access right now. And in fact, the long distance moves are kind of fun because most long distance companies will give you a window for pickup and delivery. And we can usually give them a day that we'll pick up and then a day that we will deliver. And the communities really like that because if they have these big windows, which typically happens, in, especially in the summer, and they have to block off several days up to a week when the person may end up arriving. That's a technically that's a technicality for the move itself. For working with somebody that's moving long distance, if they're coming in from out of state, we'll do the unpack and we'll get a move manager to do the pack and the sort. If they're starting here and going out of state, then we'll do the part on this end where we're helping with a floor plan and we're doing the sort and we're doing the we'll do the pack and send the pictures to the move manager on the other end and let them unpack. Now, if somebody wants to move to California and they want to have Lisa and I go out there or maybe to Florida, then that can be arranged. But usually we try to get somebody on the other end. I got you. To expound a little bit on the cost, uh, I know it's probably going to be difficult to maybe, but there's no, no, no fee for the consultation, correct? That's correct. And then we really do need to see what's happening. It's kind of like going in to buy a car. Well, are you going to buy a Toyota Corolla or are you looking at a Lamborghini? Do you want new or used? It's all over the place. We've had some accounts that we can handle for a few thousand dollars. And then we've had some that are incredibly expensive. They're going out of state. They need help on this side. They need help on the other side. It can be quite expensive. The other thing I've noticed is in the last probably three years since the pandemic, cost of supplies has gone up. Mm -hmm. The cost of fuel has gone up. The cost of labor has gone up. Mm -hmm. So what used to cost $2,000 now is $4,000 to Mm $6,000. Yeah, I believe that. It's really amazing. It, it has always been shocking for somebody that's been in their house for 50 years. I tongue in cheek will say, well, it's going to be a little bit different because probably 50 years ago when you moved in, you hired, you had six of your buddies and they called some of their buddies. You had five or six pickup trucks. You ordered a keg of beer and a bunch of pizza and it was done. Not now. They're all as old as you are and it's not going to get done that way. Right. And by the way, you've also acquired a whole lot of stuff since when you moved in. I would love to hear you, Lisa, talk about, as a nurse, how being a nurse kind of comes into play with your role. 
But we, one of the ways is that when we go out and we meet them for the first time, we're really assessing how much they can be a part of the process. And people are older now in their homes and they declined cognitively and, and physically. They, they might say they want, I'm going to sort all this. I don't need sorting help. I'm, I'm going to sort all this. And you're looking in around and, and as a nurse, you're thinking, oh no, there's no way you'll be able to accomplish that. And it really, and then, and how do you communicate to them without belittling them, without making them feel that they're inferior or they can't do that? I mean, you know, they're very proud. They want to remain in their home. This is a huge change for them. And in nursing, we're taught how to assess that nonverbal communication and how to address them respectfully. And that's probably where in, in nursing that comes into play. Another thing is, is really patience. And, and I'll tell you, they've, every time I am in a different area of nursing, they always, you know, teach me. And one of the things that's taught me is patience because I tend to be personally, I'm a minimalist. And so when I, I'm more like, well, just get rid of it. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking that in my head, I'm not saying it. And it's taught me to be patient because I think of me trying to disperse of my adult children's things. And I have things that I've kept. I still have their little blankies from the hospital and things like that. So I think of that and it makes, it kind of puts me in touch more with their feelings. And it's taught me a lot of patience in that area. And we have just met the most precious people. And one of the things that Charna has really taught me is that it's not a real clear cut black and white. You're just going to go in, you're going to tell them what you do. You're going to give them an estimate. You're going to leave, and then you're going to give them a service. It's really so much more than that. And because you're dealing with family and family dynamics, we recently had a client that she has a project. She needs to do something. And physically, she's just not capable. Sharna and I could back out and say, this is really what you need. But, in, but instead, we kind of dug our feet in and we're actually helping her with some professional relationships that she needs to, in order to make this move and this change in her life. And so I think it takes, it takes a nursing skill to be able to do that, but also just, just human respect and a caring spirit. And I shadowed with Moyer before I came to work with them. And one of the things that drew me to Moyer was the respect the, all of their staff had, and not just from their move managers, but from their drivers. And if that move manager would go to move a box that the, the move, the mover would come over and take that box from them and say, let me, let me handle that for you. And also just the way that our movers interact with the clients. They're so respectful to them and respectful of the fact that we are in their home and in, in, on their turf. So it's very enlightening. I wanted to toss something else in here too, about that. We're dealing a lot of times with people that are physically unable to do the work but they're mentally able to do the work. One of the things I tell people is we don't need your brawn, we need your brain. And you've got the brain, you've got the ability to make the decision, but you can only stand up for about 10 minutes. So why don't you stand for as long as you can, but let us do the physical work and we can go longer and faster and you still stay in control because that's the name of it. They want to stay in control. Yes, it's oh, their oh. precious memories and oh, things yeah. that mean something to them probably the hardest so, thing that i find 
is to go into somebody's home and you see collections that they thought were going to be very valuable. And they've got Yadro, they've got Hummels, they've got the collector plates, they've got China and Crystal. And we've changed so much. We don't use that stuff anymore and the kids don't want it. And that's the hardest thing, I think, to navigate, to say with compassion and with understanding that the things they thought they could pass down that were really important to them. Now, so what I point out, especially for for a lot of people, is that little box over there that has all your family recipes. That's what they're after. Why don't you go cook them and make sure they understand how to do that? Mm -hmm. Wow. Then the China and the crystal become less important and the relationships are where it's at. At least as a, a sales and account coordinator, I'm sure there are some competitors out there. So how do you win? How do you win your clients over? What do you do with all of those sales and marketing skills that you have? Fortunately, the best referral is from a happy former customer. Mm-hmm. And that is how we get a lot of our business. We also get a lot of our business through, through realtors and mm-hmm. also through senior navigators. And, but most of the people that come to us, they've worked with us before, so they know our reputation. Mm -hmm. Right now we are building our Baltimore territory deeper, and we have quite a few people that haven't heard of Moyer. They haven't used Moyer. We've gotten great feedback from our senior communities that have been using us. And one of the things that they say is that we're very thorough and we're very communicative and we're, we're on target with them. And I think really that and if you go into Google and you search us, we're a five-star rating company. And mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. And Charna says when you know it doesn't matter if you're buying the Toyota or you're buying the high-end car, we're gonna treat you the same. And we're going to give you that respect and that five-star service no matter what you buy. The other thing too is I think when they meet you, they see that you're very genuine. Charna had said that. She looks at it as if it's her own money that she's spending. China really is like that. And when you meet her, you feel that through her. When we meet with folks, they genuinely feel that we have their best interest at heart. We're not just trying to sell them something. I I always say there is a saying that if you love what you do, you never really feel like for me, when I'm out and I'm chatting and I'm having a conversation, I don't really feel like I'm doing sales. It's like I tell everybody no matter what job you're in, you're doing sales. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We all have to persuade somebody somewhere during the day, yeah. right? In our job. Yes. We all do it naturally. We just don't yeah. even know we're doing it. It's a soft, if it's a soft kind of persuasion kind of sale. So Lisa, you mentioned that a lot of things that they left behind, which has a price tag on it, and they're moving and they're leaving all this behind. And if they don't have any family member, do you guys help them to sell or put it somewhere that they can generate some amount of reimbursement from what they left behind that help them pay me front and then we'll help you out? Well, I'll let Charna take this because Charna has some incredible contacts. Charna, why don't you go with this? Because I know you have a lot of answers to this. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And we usually talk about the different ways that people could dispose of things. There's by sale, by donation, you can use a state sale. Some of it depends on how long you're going to want to to take to get rid of stuff. 
if you're trying to clear a house out, the value is not in your possessions. It's in the real estate, unless you happen to find a box of gold. And I've only done that one time. And it was in a condo I owned, which is a whole other story. I was once holding $100,000 worth of, of gold bars in my hand that belonged to a deceased renter. Wow. Wow. Oh yeah. That was amazing. But most of the time that one of the things is I've got a house, I'm, I've got to sell it because I need the asset. You don't have a month or two to clear it out. If you do, that's great. If we know that there are some specific things that are going to sell well at an auction, we've got auctioneers that can deal with it. If we know that there's a lot of things that are really donatable, then we can arrange to have a donation company come. The, the more you can get to different places that doesn't have a saleable value, the less it's going to cost you to clear the house out. And that's the bottom line that it costs money most of the time to clear the house out. So then we're looking at what are the assets? Do they have a, a set of sterling silver that can be sold? Do they have old broken jewelry that can be sold? Are there some of these mid-century modern pieces that have value? We have what I call the easy button. We work with a guy that does clear outs and he works on what I call the trash to treasure ratio. So depending on how much of the treasure there is versus how much trash there are, he will sometimes pay to clear out a house and sometimes he'll charge, but it's a whole lot less than some of the other options. And if we know he'll do a free consultation as well, if we know there are things that can go to donation and we can get Purple Heart or we can get Habitat or we could get some of the other donation places in, then his, if he's charging, then his cost will go down and he has no problem. Go ahead, take it to donation. So we work with him and we work with estate sale companies. We work with online auction companies. We work with traditional companies, but we've got to keep in mind what's the ultimate goal and what's your time frame, and where do you live? You can't do estate sales in a high rise or a gated community. So then you're limited. Does that help? Them on all those, whichever way they choose. So you have everywhere your hands that can help to delegate or donation or sales or whatever. So that, like I'm thinking about myself, if I'm old, I'm living in a house. I don't have no bank account, but I have a house. So once I move somewhere, I have house as an income. So when, suppose your cost is 50,000, I don't have a 50,000, but I might have a 50,000 once I sell my house. Mm -hmm. So I can pay then 50,000 when my real estate sell. So those kind of option is available for your client just for my listener to hear. Yes, there is a option like those. And it's very, very, very unusual for us to go anywhere near 50,000. I just want to put that in. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just giving approximately cost. I, I don't have no idea how much it costs, but whatever cost. Some yeah. people don't have a bank account, but they have some value of property that create, that pay off your services. That's correct. Sometimes Maybe. it's in the possessions of the house. Most times it's in the, the value of the real estate. Some unique programs too, Charna, right? That offered by realtors, offered by um, senior communities that give folks like a stipend towards their moving expenses. That was my other question. Is there any charity for anybody to help between expense to move where you say community or real estate people help them? 
That's a great question. There is actually another move manager that is a 501c3 and they get grants occasionally for people that are moving to low income housing, the the Mm. low income senior, like I think it's the the Catholic charities and some of the subsidized housing that is available for older adults. And if we run into one of them, I have no problem. I'll send them over to her. That's great. Yeah, she's also an ASM member. The other thing that we had asked about our competitors, the other thing that sets Moira apart, aside from our size, we're larger than any of the other ones in Maryland, but we're also accredited by the National Association of Senior Move Managers. My company, my part of the company has been accredited for many years. Moyer just got accredited. So that says that we're doing the best of the best. There's only one other company that's accredited in the state of Maryland by the National Association. That's great. That was one of the things that I was charged in doing when I was brought on board and it just got completed. So I'm pretty pleased about, about that. Any particular challenges that you encounter at some point of time? What would be maybe one of the most challenges in what you do as a move manager? If somebody has an emotional attachment to everything they own, that becomes um. difficult. When we've when they've crossed over that line from I have a lot of things to hoarding when they haven't kept up their home and there's mold, there's rats, there's mice, there's bed bugs, there's cockroaches, there's God knows what. We can't help them. I have faced that in home hospice. And usually at that point, we're at the true end of the trajectory. And usually it ends up with them declining so much so that we have to remove them from the house and take them to an inpatient unit where they do die in comfort, which was great. I mean, I feel really good about that, but usually like those are the houses that are just condemned or I guess left to relatives to take care of. But usually it's it's a situation where I'm betting most everything just gets demolished. Here's the problem. We don't really have a good solution for hoarding in the state of Maryland. I don't know outside of the state, but in the state of Maryland, we don't have a very good solution. And people keep getting, they get, they go to the hospital, they get better and they get sent home to the hoard. To a place that's not livable. Yeah. Even if the house is in. Yep. Because condemned doesn't mean anything. It just means you've been. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hoarders in um, on the long-term care facilities have been always been a challenge in trying to use those hoard to help the hoarders, what you can do, why they hoard. But at the end of the day, they seem to go right back to that same behavior. So encroaching upon their privacy, it's, it's just a, it's a thin line because they become attached to so much. And it's sometimes it's heartbreaking to um, try to do something in kind of a, I don't know, a way that you're not really hurting or disturbing them, but you're doing it in the best interest of them. And and that's difficult because in a month time, people can really hoard a lot. I mean, even in a small room, they can really buy things and get so attached to them. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, you get people with food insecurity and then they get mice. Yeah. Yeah. Or roaches or 
And unfortunately, we just can't help them. It's an addiction, in my opinion, just like yeah. any garden addiction. And, yeah, sure. And it's agree. so damaging to them. And the sad part about this, we've I've cleared out a place, and at one point in time, they were collecting Madame Alexander dolls, and they had the price tag still on the box. When I added up all the money they had spent on these Madame Alexander dolls, it was about a quarter million dollars. Gee. We did get them shipped off to auction and got the family about, I don't know, three to $5,000 for all of that stuff because they're wow. out of vote. And I sit back and I think, heavens, if they just put the money in the bank, they didn't even right. need to do any kind of whiz-bang investments, just put it in the bank. They would yeah. have been so much further along. Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a precious client and she, I, we were trying to help her save some money because we do always say you need to pay for the things you're moving. So do you really, are they really that worth it to you that you're going to pay that much money? And so we were trying to save her some money on one, one end, but she just wasn't able to part with her things. And she didn't do the sorting that she really needed to do. And her we were letting her know ahead of time that her costs were kind of ticking up and we wanted her to be aware of that because we always were always very hands-on and she had tears in her eyes. And she said to me, Lisa, she said, maybe it's because I never had much. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she said, so I made myself, I pacified or she didn't use the word pacify. That's my Mm -hmm. word. But she said, I, I collected these things to make myself feel good. All Mm -hmm. these dolls and all these little figurines because I didn't really need them, but it was something that I could afford. And she said, I really regret it now. Hmm. Oh, sad. And and I think the saddest thing, honestly, is that it breaks down the human relationships because oftentimes the children won't visit them in those homes and their, and the daughter-in-law or the son-in-law, they just won't bring their children there. That to me is probably the saddest part of when they do have that hoarding addiction. They're pushing away the people and keeping the things. But most of them, thank heavens, most of the people we work with, they're delightful. They're not hoarders. They, They I just marvel. That's the best part of my job, I think, is going into their home and seeing all the really neat people that we have living in this area. There was a a man I moved uh, quite some time ago after Kennedy had been elected, but before he was inaugurated, they were, he and his wife were in New York and they had a playbill John Kennedy had signed because he happened to be in the theater and it was wow. before this crazy security. So I was calling everybody around saying, hey, come take a mm-hmm. look at this. You're not gonna see this every day. It was a signature by John Kennedy. So there's mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. There's all, we found passports from people that had lived in Nazi Germany and mm-hmm. they had been moved to Hong Kong when they were able to escape. And the daughter was just so thrilled because she found these passports that belonged to her great grandparents and was just, she didn't have anything from them. So this was, that meant so much. We also found six $10,000 savings bonds that didn't hurt either. They were past maturity, but that's the kind of stuff that I find to be the most fascinating that people have pictures taken with presidents or they've done, they've worked on the space shuttle or they worked on the original NASA programs where people were walking on the moon. We meet those kind of people. What a privilege to work with such amazing yeah. people. What an interesting perspective that you have discussed. One would never have even 
conceptualize anything like that until we're having this conversation with you. And that 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 is, you know, truly your calling. It's truly something that you do well. But I mean, it's so touching. I, I just love hearing stories about people who love what they do because you don't That's hear that often. The best one was a lady that we moved that was quite wealthy. And she had had a lady that was a housekeeper that worked for her for many, many, many years. And the housekeeper was failing. So she moved the housekeeper into her home with her because she wasn't going to just let this lady go. And it was, there were two different, two different ethnic backgrounds and mm -hmm. two very different people, but there was such love and respect among these two individuals. Better thing can you see? What kind of family, thing, especially yeah. in today's environment, what better thing could you see than two okay. people getting along and helping each other? Right. Beautiful. That's make, that makes it all worthwhile. Exactly. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll come back with a pinky joke. Right, we are back. And first, I would like to know how our listening audience can contact you if they need help with the move or they know someone who needs help with a senior move like you can provide. There's a lot of different ways. And I'm trying to look up the numbers that I don't have memorized. The That's Baltimore, okay. Yeah, the Baltimore number is 410. 515 1199. 301 869 3896. We have okay. we have quite a few. And then the, there's a 703-740-9912. M-A-N-A-G-E-M-E-N-T.com. Got it. And we'll put that in the show notes as well so that everybody can contact you with that. That is great. Thank you so much. Not a All right. Pinky, you are up. Pinky tells a joke okay. every episode. It's my favorite thing. Okay. So today's joke falls. An elderly woman had just returned to her home from evening at church service when she was startled by intruder. As she caught the man in the act of robbing her home of its valuable, she yelled, stop, X, tooth, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord so that you sins may be forgiven. The burglar stopped in his track. The woman calmly called the police and explained what she had done. As the officer cuffed the man to take him in, he asked the burglar, why did you just stand there? All the old lady did was yell sculpture at you. Sculpture, replied the burglar. She said she had X and 2387. I've heard that one too, Pinky. Cookie's heard all yours. yours. I don't know why we, I'm, I'm hearing all her jokes, but anyway, whoever's giving them to you, I think I may have heard them. Anyway, thank you both, Shauna and Lisa. I can't begin to thank you for just taking some time out with us this evening and talking about 
your move management company and just sharing information that I'm sure not only me, but others have not had any kind of understanding as what that entails. So we really thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes. Thank you for spending your time talking to us. So if you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future topics, please visit our website. We ask that you subscribe to our upcoming episodes by visiting www.com. Our episodes are released every other Tuesday morning. You can also email us on seniors at seniorscat.com, or you can Google us or find us on Facebook. Just Google seniors and the people who love them. Also, give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, thank you, ladies. Is there anything else you want to add, Shauna and Lisa? Thank you so much for having us. And uh, if you need movers and new management companies, you know where we are. (laughs) Okay, that's for sure. And Shauna? That's excellent. Call us sooner rather than later. It makes it a whole lot easier. That's great. Well, until next time. I'm Cookie. I'm Pinky. And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye now. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.